guys. Welcome to Relatable. Happy Monday. So I don't usually do this on Mondays. I typically give you, you know, a straight theology episode. But today we are going to talk to two of my good friends, the hosts of the Just Thinking podcast, Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker. And they have just been such wonderful biblical voices, really in so many topics and relating to the Christian life, but particularly on the things that are going on right now with the discussion surrounding race and racism. And so today they are going to bring us back to what the Word of God says and how the gospel informs how we should view everything that's going on. Before we get into the conversation, I want to tell you guys about a new sponsor, and I'm really excited about this one because I have used them before, and that is LegalZoom. So there are a lot of challenges that we're facing right now. Maybe you need legal advice and legal help. LegalZoom is a really easy and affordable way to get what you need. So maybe you've been wondering about the best way to protect your family, or you're thinking about starting a business, but you don't know the best way to do it, and you're just overwhelmed by the legal questions. But you don't need to be overwhelmed. You just go to LegalZoom. That has has been dedicated to helping you and other people with the right solutions for almost 20 years. If you are looking to protect your family with a will or a living trust, or you're thinking about the right way to start a business with a DBA, an LLC, nonprofit, all that good stuff, LegalZoom has got you covered. It's super easy and very convenient to get started online. If you need guidance, their network of attorneys can provide advice to ensure that you make the right choices. And since LegalZoom isn't an actual law firm, you won't have to leave your home and you won't get charged by the hour. That is huge. Uh, visit LegalZoom.com today to take care of some important things that you need to get done. And for special savings, be sure to use code Alley A-L-L-I. I-E at checkout. That is LegalZoom.com, promo code Allie for savings. That is LegalZoom, where life meets legal. Okay, without further ado, here are my friends, Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker. Daryl, Virgil, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, you, Allie, for having us back on. No doubt. Okay, one of you, I'll just I'll just pick so that we're not confused about who's talking. Virgil, can you tell me who you guys are, the podcast you host, and what you do? Well, I'm Virgil Walker. Uh, I'm co-host of the Just Thinking podcast. I get the, the privilege of hanging out side by side with my with with, with the uh, lead host Daryl Harrison. Uh, we host Just Thinking. It's, it's a joy to do. Uh, we've been doing it now for coming up on two years. Uh, having just an incredible reach and, and success with that and uh, doing no small part, Allie, to uh, you're encouraging your listeners to to check us out and to listen to us on a number of different uh, subjects that we cover. Yes. And Daryl, can you tell everyone who you are and what you do as well? Yes, yeah, so I'm Daryl Harrison. And uh, as Virgil alluded to, I'm lead host of the Just Thinking podcast. And uh, yeah, my day job when I'm not hanging out with this guy getting in trouble. Uh, I, I, I serve as Dean of Social Media here at Grace to You, which is the uh, Bible teaching ministry of Dr. John MacArthur out here in uh, Valencia, California. Well, thank you guys so much, and thank you for your ministry, the Just Thinking podcast. I want everyone to go subscribe to that and download, especially uh, the latest episodes. But you guys really, we we talk a lot about, or you guys talk a lot about race, racial reconciliation, and these issues surrounding race, but that's really just a fragment of what you guys discuss. You guys talk about socialism, the role of the government, the assurance of salvation, all kinds of things that Christians are uh, concerned with. But this last podcast episode that you did, Daryl, on George Floyd and the gospel has been your most 
popular episode to date, right? A huge number of downloads. Why do you think? Why do you think that is? Yeah, that's true, Ali. Uh, the George, the episode that we did, George Floyd and the Gospel, which we released about a week and a half ago, is approaching ninety thousand downloads, which would make it by far the most downloaded episode that we've done uh, to date. And as Virtual mentioned, we've been doing the podcast for close to two years. We're coming up on our one hundredth episode. Uh, there's a couple reasons, though, for the George Floyd episode that's just different. N- number one, that was not an episode that we planned to do. Uh, that episode is what we call a freestyle episode, whereby Virgil and I just got behind the microphone with no notes. It was no scheduling, no choreographing anything. He, it was just me and him, two Christian brothers, getting behind the microphone, talking about what happened with regard to the George Floyd incident in Minnesota and looking at that and talking about it really naturally, because if anyone who's listened to the episode can say, I did, I, re, I did a lot of venting in that episode, uh, primarily out of the fact that here we are covering ground that we've covered so many times on, as you alluded to, uh, Ali, on the, on the Just Thinking podcast, we covered so much of that ground already, but by God's grace and his providence and his sovereignty, that episode continues to make an impact in the lives of believers and unbelievers alike, because he gave us an opportunity to capture that that incident within the objective truth of scripture mm-hmm. and talk about it within that lens so as to eliminate any nuances, any feelings, any subjective uh, perspectives, and basically couch that incident in what the word of God says, which applies to every one of us equally. Amen. If you can, either one of you, Virgil, I'll go to you. Can you... I'm just kind of summarize. You don't have to rehash everything y'all talked about in in the podcast, but from your perspective, can you summarize what is the objectively biblical view of what's going on right now? Yeah, we we began the conversation by discussing the horrible tragedy that took place uh, for George Floyd. Um, we one of the things that I appreciate about what we try to do on Just Thinking is. We don't shy away from the horror of what took place. We don't we don't run from uh, issues, even when we deal with issues around slavery or Jim Crow. Uh, we don't we don't cast a blind eye to 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 what took place in those instances. And we didn't in this case either. So we began the conversation by talking about what took place and how horrified we both were uh, about it, uh, how, how our hearts were, were wrenched out of our, our chest as we watched this police officer put his knee in the neck of George Floyd. Uh, then be- before, what, what the culture does from that standpoint is they begin to ascribe motivation. Uh, they begin to describe things attitudinally uh, with regard to what was the motivation behind what took place, rather than focusing on the reality of what was most tragic about it was not what motivated it, but the act in and of itself. The act in and of itself was horrific, and we need to stop, pause there, and think about that particular issue and be mournful about that. So we talked about that. We talked about the next step of what people do, which is they begin to attribute motivation. They begin to attribute uh, things like that, like racism into the conversation, which don't need to be interjected, as, as Daryl and I discussed, regardless of what the motivation was. It doesn't make George Floyd any more or less dead. He, he is still dead as a result, and that should be the tragedy. We talked about him being an image bearer of God, and that we should be, we should be mournful that any image bearer of God, regardless of level of melanin in the, in the skin, would be impacted in that way. And we talked about our feelings about that, but mainly we anchored the truths in Scripture with regard to a biblical anthropology regarding race, a, a, a biblical uh, 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 thought process about sin and the role of sin in the life of, of believers and unbelievers alike, where it, pl- where it applies equally. 
and how we as believers should view the entirety of the situation. And Daryl, why do you think it is that people are so quick to immediately judge uh, the, the heart level motivations of something that is already tragic in itself? Why are we so why are we so quick to do that and then to extrapolate that into a larger cultural moment or movement? Yeah, I think uh, bottom line fundamentally is because of the sin that's in our own hearts. I mean, we are as uh, congenital sinners quick to react to uh, to things that we think we can relate, relate to superficially. So, for instance, with respect to what happened with Mr. George Floyd, uh, a lot of our reaction was tied to the connection that we have with the color of his skin matching ours, uh, perhaps maybe a uh, socioeconomic uh, connection that we may have had with the experience and uh, how Mr. George Floyd grew up, the experience that maybe some individuals had have had with police officers themselves. Uh, so there are any number of reasons why we're so quick to react uh, to situations like that. But I think, as 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 uh, Virgil alluded to earlier, you know, when you talk about trying to uh, attribute motive to something like this, in this case, right, the uh, the uh, clarion call was that it was racism, right? So when you attach a suffix like ism to a root word race, which to a noun, when you attach a suffix to a noun. You now you, you, it's now a verb. It's no longer a noun anymore. But but in the case of racism, when you're talking about an ism like this, you're talking about motive, right? You're talking about motive. You're talking about impetus, and that takes you automatically from a sociological sphere to a theological sphere. Because when you go from a noun to a verb, and you're trying to impart a motive, on in in, in this case on behalf of the police officer, that makes it a theological question which automatically goes to the heart because all of our motives for better or worse, for good or ill originate in the heart. And I think that is what a lot of folks are missing. And perhaps is why the episode that we did on George Floyd, the gospel is being so impactful because we try to take people back, not just to the act, but to the attitude that led up to it, you see. And that's where we have to start to remedy situations like this. What do you think, Daryl, about the reaction that ensued? Obviously not the genuine reaction of sadness over an image bearer's life being taken, but um, the, the rioting and the looting and the now calls to abolish the police system, the justice system, imprisonment altogether, it's really turned into a, a revolution. What do you think, I guess, just in general about that reaction? Yeah, that reaction is just part and partial of our just missing what is the fundamental issue here, the fundamental issue. I'm, I'm, I, I sent a tweet out just earlier this morning where I made the case that injustice is an attitude before it is an act. It is an attitude before it is an act. And for what folks are missing here is that they're concentrating on what happened and missing the big picture of why it happened. Uh, listen, each of us carries within us the same seed of sin that led to the, the perceived injustice anyway, and I say perceived because that situation is still being adjudicated. Uh, the perceived injustice, we each carry the seed within us that gives rise to situations like that. And folks are quick, we're quick to extrapolate ourselves from uh, the situation in so much that we don't connect ourselves with the police officer, right? We're quick to connect ourselves with the victim when, we, when, when you look at this situation theologically, we have to go back to Genesis 3, the sin of our first parents in the garden, and the fact that 
that sin nature now resides within each one of us. And when we understand what happened with Mr. George Floyd in the context of Genesis 3, we would connect ourselves more. We're actually more relatable to the police officer than the victim. And see, what people are missing here is that the solutions that they're driving at in trying to deconstruct certain institutions and structures and rebuild them into new institutions and structures is that they don't realize that the same sinful attitudes that created those structures that they want to deconstruct are going to be reconstructed simply by new sinners. And and they just don't realize that. So we have to take the George Floyd incident in Minnesota all the way back to Genesis 3 if we truly want to understand the big picture of what went on there. Virgil, a lot of pastors are using this moment to not talk about sin and to not talk about the fall and the only thing that can that can soften a sinner's hard heart being the gospel, but to instead talk about exclusively racial reconciliation and even white privilege and, and white fragility. What do you think about evangelical pastors uh, using this to bring up those kinds of conversations rather than gospel conversations? It's it's disheartening on so many levels, and uh, because of the fact that the, the reality is, the Bible already explains this. I was uh, Daryl and I were talking the other day, and 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 uh, really identified the fact that when you when you begin to walk away from biblical terminology, you walk onto the the social turf of the culture, uh, and when you do that, that is an absolutely losing battle. That that you've lost the battle. And what we're watching evangelical pastors and preachers do is leave the pages of scripture for for what they're seeing in the culture that's not at all helpful. Scripture is clear about this, whether it's issues of systemic racism, issues of privilege, all of these things can be identified through the pages of scripture for what they are. And the beauty of, of holding on to scripture is that you anchor them back into the root cause of them to begin with. Uh, uh, Daryl mentioned, uh, you know, Genesis three in the fall. We've, we've got when I think about issues around systemic racism, I automatically go to Romans chapter five, verse 12. It says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, death through sin. And so death spread to all men. W- what is that if that is not systemic in nature? Sin and death systemically impacts mankind. And as a result, we see the horrible kinds of tragedies that we do in the culture. But in an effort to, to, to be relevant, people have forgotten what it means to be righteous and stay into pages of scripture and seek the cure that can only be found through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It seems that a lot of pastors, Christian influencers are allowing the world and secular activist groups to find things that God has already defined. So uh, justice, uh, repentance, penance, holiness, righteousness, uh, all of these things that God has a definition for. He tells us exactly what they look like. But instead of pastors saying, hey, world, you're looking for justice. You're looking for righteousness. You're looking for peace. I've got that right here in the word of God. They're saying, oh, actually, I feel that the Bible and the gospel are not only insufficient, but a little inappropriate. And so you see a lot of pastors being a little bit embarrassed about bringing the word of God into these conversations, but instead are just listening to people with an atheistic worldview, which means if you have an atheistic worldview, you don't believe people are made in the image of God. You don't even care about George Floyd's murder as much as you and I do Mm -hmm. because they don't believe he's an image bearer. And so we have, uh, as Christians, we have a whole other 
level of of care and of gravity about this situation. But unfortunately, I'm seeing so many Christians being willing to be informed and influenced um, by the world because they have been convinced that the gospel is an insufficient and inappropriate answer. Daryl? Yeah, let me just say this, and I really don't mean this to be uh, condescending in any way whatsoever, but we should never assume that because someone wears the title of pastor that they know what the gospel is. Mm. We should never assume that, okay? What we're finding out is that many pastors and many professing Christians in general have no concept of what the gospel is. You see, the gospel works from the inside out. And this is what differentiates biblical gospel from the so-called social gospel. The biblical gospel works by the monergistic power of God in the heart from the inside out. And as we obey God, then society benefits from that, okay? However, the social justice tries to realize biblical fruit by working from the outside in, you see, and when 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 we have pastors and church leaders partnering with the culture and emphasizing works for the sake of works, right? Scripture says that we are to do works in keeping with repentance. Okay, so the gospel inverts the approach of the world and says, no, you, you heart change results in the fruits that you want to see. Heart change results in justice, changing laws changing, uh, defunding the police. I mean, look at this. Why do laws exist fundamentally? Laws fundamentally exist to protect us from one another. So when you look at injustice, you you understand that the struggle for injustice is really a struggle with ourselves. We're, we're trying to find unbiblical ways, worldly, cultural, social ways to remedy an innate spiritual problem. And these, and these, these ridiculous, absurd partnerships that many churches are making with the world and organizations like Black Lives Matter, which have no concept of the Imago Dei, as you said, Allie, which is where that should be begin. As Virgil alluded to, we should care with the George Floyd situation or any other perceived situation of injustice that an image bearer of God was treated unjustly, not that a black image bearer of God was treated unjustly. So that's where it starts. So again, the gospel has the answer but many believers are ignorant. And by that, I mean they are unaware. They truly have no, no solid concept, orthodox concept of what the gospel is and how God works his gospel in the world. Virgil, what do you think about using this moment or any moment to talk about what has been deemed racial reconciliation? Is racial reconciliation a biblical concept? No, it, it's it's absolutely a, a misnomer. Uh, Daryl and I have talked about this often on our show, and, and I got a chance to share this idea with someone, and and and, and basically said this: uh, races don't reconcile, uh, hearts do, right? If if Ali, if, if you were going to send someone of, and again, the idea of race says is not biblical, right? Scripture is absolutely clear about that. Acts seventeen twenty six. We know from one man comes every ethnos, every nation of mankind. So we're all a part of the human race. So first of all, the idea of race says is a misnomer. So you can begin from there. The other piece of the of the of the thought process when when you're thinking about race is reconciling, who is the white race representative and and what black race representative are they going to send someone to? And what are going to be the terms of this reconciliation that's taking place? 
it's it's a misnomer to confuse people and really put establish permanent a permanent victim class uh, and 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 a permanent oppressor class uh, by which we guilt people into doing things that they wouldn't otherwise do apart from what what Daryl was talking about, which is true heart change. Scripture challenges us to reconcile with God, and as a result of that reconciliation with God in repentance and faith in Christ. We are then therefore reconciled with our neighbor, with our brother. Uh, and and then, then the sin that takes place between one another is that which gets reconciled based upon a Matthew 18 picture. I'm going to my brother who's done me wrong or who's, who's sinned against me. And we're, we're, we're addressing that particular issue. That's exactly how that's supposed to work. And Allie, if I could just add something to what Virgil just said, you know, mm-hmm. uh, listen, what we're talking about here in terms of reconciliation is no different than what would have to take place if you and your husband, for example, had a disagreement. If someone would say, well, you know, you guys are husband and wife, you should get along because you're husband and wife. As if to say being husband and wife should just sort of uh, uh, intrinsically take care of any issues that you guys might experience within your marriage. But no, you, those, those uh, disagreements and issues have to be resolved one heart toward another. You see, and I think about uh, John Owen in his book, Indwelling Sin and Believers. He said, enmity against God is diffused through the whole soul. This is through the whole soul. You see, this is so, again, this is why I say injustice is an attitude before it is an action. You know, scripture teaches, right, that if we hate, if we have hate toward someone, that we, we're, we're essentially just a murderer. We're a murderer. Mm-hmm. And so only the gospel deals with the attitudes and the motive and the impetus that results in the acts of injustice that we're seeing in the world. What do you say, Daryl, to those who say, okay, I hear you that the gospel is the ultimate answer, but look, we've got systemic racism and we've got to, it's not enough to just, you know, love your neighbor as yourself as God tells us to do. We've got to be anti-racist. We've got to check our white privilege. We've got to dismantle systemic racism. And that is what they would say is, you know, the manifestation of seeking justice and loving and loving mercy, as Micah 6, 8 says. And a lot of pastors are encouraging people to think that way, talk that way, and act that way as well. What would be your response to the Christian who says that? Well, listen, the Christian who says that respectfully, anyone who wants to add to what Scripture already says doesn't understand what Scripture says to begin with. You see, I think there's a misnomer out here, especially within evangelicalism, that um, that the gospel means uh, that that the ultimate objective of the gospel is equity, is societal equity. Okay, uh, Virgil and I did an episode on our po- on our Just Thinking podcast on a biblical theology of the role of government, and in that episode, we had an opportunity to exposit the distinction between equal and equity. You see, in the world, wants equity, but you can't have equity without partiality. So someone says, "Well, it's not enough to love your neighbor as yourself." Uh, but you're essentially telling that Jesus got his own gospel wrong, okay? Mm-hmm. So, but but for folks who would say that they still, I, I hate to be redundant here, but I just have to see, keep emphasizing, the gospel works from the inside out. You you can you can you can renew laws, recreate laws. You can tear down statues. So we're seeing a wave of statues coming down again. You can do all of that. You can fix. You can what you call fixing all the structures and institutions within a society. But at the end of the day, you're still dependent on the person obeying the law. 
You're still dependent on the person obeying that precept. You're still dependent on the person act, treating you justly. And those are instances that happen on the inside of the individual. Nothing outside of the individual can influence that person to treat you in a manner that you're supposed to be treated as an image bearer of God. So again, all of these are secondary and tertiary issues that take attention off what is what is the real issue, which is why Christ came in the beginning, in the first place. This is why Christ came, to regenerate our hearts, make us right with God, and as that heart change takes place, then you see the fruit of that change in society. But it's, it's got to happen at the individual level first. It's it's the it's the it's the, equi it's the equivalent of of the Tower of Babel, right? Man believing that they can create their own their own edifice to 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 build utopia in an effort to get to God. When when the when the message of the gospel is that God comes to us, right, in the form of of Christ and redeems mankind and saves us from ourselves, uh, we still believe for some odd reason that God's methods, God's plan, God God's prescription is invalid and that and that we're required by the hand of man to do something different than what he's prescribed. I mean we're doing this in every area and every facet and so it's not surprising that it, and what's what's sad to me Allie is to see believers who should have who should be laying hold to the truth uh, operate in, in in those kinds of in those kinds of ways. Virgil, you fight very hard for the abolition of abortion. You've come on my show and we've talked about that. It was a very popular episode. People love just the, the practical advice and the gospel advice that you gave people. I've heard pastors, in particular pastors, say, okay, why are, why are Christians, I guess probably you guys and me, saying, uh, you know, just preach the gospel. It's the gospel. The gospel is the answer. And I heard this pastor say, but you don't say that about abortion. You don't say that about sex trafficking. You go out and you do the work, you dismantle the systems and you try to end those things. So um, do you think that there is a hypocrisy for people like you and me to say, we want to dismantle it and stop abortion from happening. But when it comes to something like systemic racism, the gospel is the answer. Is there a difference there? Well, there's two things going on there. One is a category error. Uh, the category error to the point that Daryl was making, racism is a is an attitude. It's a motive, right? You you can't stop what's in the heart of an individual. Mm -hmm. Abortion is the an act. It is an right. action of death. It is an it is injustice. It is a death. Now, to I, I would also argue in in a separate way uh, this, and and it it is it is that we we're not leaving the gospel back at the door as we go to the abortion clinic. Uh, I'm bringing the gospel into conflict, into that situation by being there, proclaiming the truth of its message, letting the woman know that she does not have to sacrifice her child for the purpose of, of the sin of, of, of sexuality outside the confines of what God stated. And that the same God who produced life is able to take care of that life, given she'll walk in the right pattern of righteousness that God's designed for her. And we provide all kinds of resources for that. So we're not, and we're not breaking the law. I'm not going to tear down some abortion clinic building or, or lay it to fire or any, any of those things. I'm operating under the guise of what the law provides, but I'm bringing the gospel into conflict. But again, that's a, that's a category error with regard to an attitude and a motivation and the person who's being harmed. 
I completely agree. Uh, Daryl, I'm going to ask you what you might not see. You don't want, you might not see it as a, a controversial question, but some people might think it is. Do you believe, or in your experience or study, do you believe that systemic racism um, is something that exists? No. Short answer, no. Because listen, think about this. Nothing that is systemic occurs in a vacuum. Okay, so any anything. Let's let's take for for example, if 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 you've been diagnosed with a disease that's metastasized throughout your body, that that disease is now systemic throughout your body. It's now systemic. However, it wasn't. It didn't originate as systemic. It has it has a definitive point of origin. It, it has a definitive objective cause. So anything that's systemic, we have to go back to the root origin. Why is it systemic? And I don't see enough objective empirical evidence. I em I emphasize objective, objective empirical evidence that there is systemic racism in America. Uh, because if there were, then Virgil and I would be victims of that. Because it, it, nothing, that, listen, nothing can be systemic, rather, and have anyone exempt from it. If it's systemic, that means everybody experiences it. If if no one if there's even one person that doesn't experience it, then it's not systemic. How can be how can something be systemic, and not be all inclusive of everybody? How can something be systemic, Ali, inherently systemic, yet eliminate you, yet you're being blamed for it being systemic? So it, it, even it, it even includes you as well. So my short answer to that question is no. I'm not seeing enough empirical objective evidence that there is systemic racism or what scripture calls hate, systemic hatred of a certain populace who happens to have a certain shade of melanin, be of a certain ethnicity. I don't see that because by definition, it would include people like me and Virgil. And when I came to work today, the doors weren't locked for me. So I, you know, I can't, I got in fine. <laughs> so... <laughs> I've been uh, seeing it and thinking about is you guys have heard the phrase, you know, the soft bigotry of low expectations. This is something that, for example, economist Thomas Sowell talks about that you lower the expectations for a certain group of people or a certain kind of people because it's typically white elite liberals who say, you know, this group has been historically oppressed, so they cannot reach this standard. And even if some do, they're the exception and not the rule, and we still have to change the standards for this group of people. We see that in things like affirmative action and different things like that. But I think that we're also seeing it in the evangelical world where I've seen white pastors, they're willing to talk about the gospel or, or preach the gospel to their mostly white congregants. And then when they turn around or have an interview or a conversation with a, a black Christian or a, a black non-Christian, they don't talk about the gospel. They only offer pity. They only talk about social justice. They only talk about racial issues. And it's almost like these white pastors aren't willing to hold black Christians to the same standards of holiness, forgiveness, tenderheartedness, righteousness as they are uh, white Christians, and I'm not—I'm just not sure that's going to fly with God. Virgil, what do you think? No, I, I completely, completely agree with you. I think you're going to get in trouble for saying that, Allie, but you're—you're <laughs> you're used, you're used to that, so I think you'll be fine. I, you know, I—I I completely agree. You see it in the media uh, with regard to what's happening and the, the the rioting that's taken place, and that 
that's just an expression of anger or rage and it's kind of uh, accepted or nodded at or, or, or if it's mentioned at all, it's mentioned very lightly where the emphasis is placed on, on an expression of, of, of what they're wanting to, you know, wanting to say. You're seeing that to the point you just made in, inside of churches. I, I listened to a dear pastor friend of mine this week and I thought he, I thought he gave a great sermon for his white congregants. The problem was it missed the mark if I'm if I'm a black guy in his audience, I, I had nothing to repent of. I had nothing to be concerned about. I had nothing to to take to, to take to God. I, I I was I was actually uh, the, the victim for which every white congregant should at some point come and and do something uh, to, uh, by way of penance on on their behalf. And so it, it, I, I agree. I think it, it's not across the board. We're not seeing it in that way. And, and, and the gospel does that, does it not? I mean, I'm, I'm walking a group of folks through the through the book of Romans. And, and what does Paul do in Romans chapter one, verse 18? He says, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And then Ali, he spends the next three chapters taking apart every single group that, that can be known. In, in, in chapter two, he begins to talk about the Pharisees. And if, if they were applauding him saying something to one group, give him just a minute because he's gonna come and grab the next group and the next group. I, I, again, Daryl made, made this point earlier, which is, the gospel is all about equal, right? It's, it's about an, an equal response to everyone with regard to their sin against the holy God. And, and whenever that's parsed out in some way, shape or form to not include a group or to overlook sin in a group or to not acknowledge sin in that group, whatever gospel that's being preached is not the biblical gospel. And Ali, we, we did an episode on the Just Thinking podcast. It's called, we titled it One Church, One Body. One Church, One Body. Virgil, remember this episode, right, where we took Mr. J.D. Greer to task because J.D. Greer was speaking before a predominantly black audience at some event in North Carolina. Uh, yes. Um, and he tailored his message. He lowered the his message uh, to that audience because they were black. And we specifically took him to task uh, in that episode. But, you know, when you go back historically and you read people like Frederick Douglass, Booker T. Washington, both of whom were former slaves, both of whom were ab abolitionists. Matter of fact, you can read many slave narratives. And, and fundamentally, the one thing that all slaves wanted was freedom. Now, they wanted their freedom so that they could make their own way. None of them ever asked for their standards to be lowered. They never asked for partiality. They never asked for favors. They never asked to be treated differently, even because of their oppression. They wanted to be freed from their oppression under the Imago Dei, under that innate awareness, Romans 1, right, that we know that there is a God and we know the difference between right and wrong inherently. They wanted their freedom so that they could make their own way. It is absolutely, I don't even know the adjective for it, but when I see people reduce uh, black people to what Virgil said, a permanent class of victims. It's absolutely, I'm outraged. I'm righteously indignant whenever I see that. And as much as Virgil and I try not to uh, name names in that episode, though, we, we had no choice but to name names. So I'm speaking to J.D. Greer right now. <laughs> Stop. Stop it. That, that's condescending. That it, that it is not worth the legacy of thousands, if not millions of uh, black people who gave their lives uh, so that 
uh, Virgil and I could talk uh, objectively about such issues and he's embarrassing himself. You're embarrassing yourself, leaders, when you do that. Stop doing it. It reminds me of another pastor that you guys have talked about who said that he would hire the, the black seven oh, over yeah. the, the white eight, but not the black six over the white eight because that would be, that would be uh, tokenism. But again, that's like the soft bigotry of low expectations Christian style that apparently you have in your head that a, that a group of people is almost inherently incapable of reaching right. the same standards right. as another group of people while you're simultaneously turning around to your white congregation and calling them the bigots and the racists when maybe they're not the ones who think that way. Maybe it's you. Um, but I do think that this kind of uh, cultural secular conversation that or the rhetoric that we're having about white privilege and things like that, it, it blinds some of these pastors to their own inherent bigotry and sin because they're checking the boxes of worldly righteousness while they checked their privilege. They've read Ta-Nehisi Coates. They are talking about racial reconciliation. They made a video about privilege for, for their congregants. And so they believe that they are insulated from any kind of woke criticism, not realizing that they are actually the ones in a lot of cases perpetuating the condescension that they are accusing other people of perpetuating. You're exactly right. And I don't go go ahead, Virg. Go ahead. And how and how how embarrassing for the for the black uh, member or, or the, the the person who worked for that congregation, right? If if I if I'm the black guy to whom he had said to this public setting, I'll hire the black seven, not the black six, when I thought I was the black ten walking in, how 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 embarrassing for him to show up to work the next day and to be looked at by his peers as the re the only reason he's here is out of the benevolent heart of someone white who checked their privilege, who was willing to hire the black seven, all the while him believing himself to be equal to, or if not better than anyone else who was hired for the position. Yeah. And, and Ali, let, let me say, let me say this. Listen, I'm not, I'm not saying every uh, pastor is in this category. But a lot no. of people, a, a lot of them, a lot of them are cowards. A lot of them just flat out cowards. Because when you, when you, when you, when you think that you have to um, adjust your uh, message uh, from one ethnic group to another ethnic group, that tells me that you care more about your own personal reputation than you do the gospels. Okay, when you're preaching the gospel, right? Number one, scripture. If if it's not clear on anything else, it's clear on this. That when you preach the gospel, you're going to be hated. You're right. going to make enemies. Matter of fact, if you're not making enemies, then you're probably not preaching the biblical gospel. Okay, right. so I would challenge those pastors. And they know who they are. They're going to hear this message. They know who they are because the Holy Spirit is going to convict them in their own heart. They know who they are. Stop being cowards and stop playing to the world as if you have to appease them. Whose gospel are you preaching? Mm -hmm. Is it the gospel with your name on it mm. or is it the gospel with Jesus Christ's name on it? There would be no gospel if it were not for Christ. Right. Okay. So, so, so stop being cowards and preach the correct, pre preach courageously the biblical gospel that Jesus Christ preached. Yes. And something I try to remind Christians is that you're never, you're never going to be woke enough anyway to appease, you know, the activist <clears throat> groups. So, 
you can, you know, you can get on board with their calls for justice, which of course are, are not actually justice because they're not rooted in God's definition of justice. You can get out, you can speak their language, you can have all the conversations, you can read their books. They're still coming for your views on marriage still and sexuality coming. and abortion. they're still, still coming. coming for you. Yeah. So until you completely capitulate and in so doing renounce your faith, um, you're never you're never going to appease them. So why waste time now? Right. Why waste time now trying? You know, I, I've um, said from day one, you know, you, you th th there is no satiating the woke. You just yep. think of woke with an ellipsis after it. Okay, woke dot, dot, dot. Okay, because I, I say that because the definition is never fixed. It always changes. They're always moving the goalposts. They're always raising the bar. You draw a line here. They, you think you're drawing a line of cement, but that line is really in the sand. They just erase it and draw a new line. It's every day, sometimes multiple times a day. You know, so again, it's like Paul says, you know, who, who am I trying to please here? Am I trying to please man? Or am I trying to please God? Well, if I'm trying to please man, then I don't please God. So you right. have to pick whose side are you on here? You have to, you know, you can't have one foot in woke theology and then have the other foot in biblical theology. That's not how it works. Virg, yeah. you, did you have something to say, Virg? Go ahead, man. I'm good. You got it. Well, guys, thank you so much. I wish I could keep talking for another hour. You guys have so much to say. And so I have just gotten so much biblical insight from you, not on just this topic, which really is just a fragment of what you guys talk about, but just godly living and biblical living and biblical perspectives on the chaos and the craziness. I think that you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you guys are keeping a lot of people sane, a lot of Christians who say, okay, you know, I thought the gospel was enough. I thought biblical living was enough. I thought I was just supposed to love the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength and love my neighbor as myself. I thought Jesus's burden was light and his yoke was easy, but now I'm turning to pastors who are saying just the opposite. Mm -hmm. You guys, through the the Holy Spirit and words God and, and God's word is helping keep people grounded. Uh, so just thank you so much for what you guys do. Thank you, Allie. Thank, for you, Allie. thank you, Allie. Thank you so much.